if I'm like feeling super anxious in my body, I do something to dissipate it like physically. So it could be doing yoga. It could be getting up and going for a walk. It could be playing something on Spotify and just dancing in the middle of like <laughs> living room, something just very quick to get my mind not thinking about what it was I was scared of or what I was obsessing over. And so once my body's more relaxed, then I can, I feel more mental clarity around the actual challenger issue at hand. Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane. And I'm Garrett Philbin. We want to give you space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear, no topic is taboo. And in this episode, we chat about how fear around money prevents us from getting what we want. We talk about why we feel scared of things that no longer threaten us physically, but threaten our sense of self, like rejection or not meeting our own expectations. We also talk about the types of questions we can ask ourselves to move past these fears. If you've listened to Beyond the Dollar for a while, you know that Sarah and I often reference books we've loved and the massive impact they've had on our financial lives. In fact, when we first met, we bonded over the book, The Surrender Experiment, which is all about how the author let go of expectations and ended up living a richer life. And here's some good news. You can read it for free. All right, well, not reading, unless you count listening to an audiobook as reading. But right now, you can get two free audiobooks by signing up for a free trial of Audible. You'll get a free 30-day trial. You can cancel any time before that, and you won't get charged. Plus, you get to keep the two audiobooks absolutely free. If you do stay on, memberships start at $15 a month, which includes one audiobook a month, plus a 30% discount on additional ones. To start your free trial and add those two free audiobooks, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co backslash audible. That's www.beyondthedollar.co backslash A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And to check out resources we shared in this episode, including a guide to using your values and your financial decisions, head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. Okay, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go Beyond the Dollar. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Garrett. You're always so excited. Always so excited when I come in with the intro. Come on, let's get a little bit more excitement in that. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Garrett. How's it going? (laughs) Nailed it. Uh, It's going great. You want to talk about fear and how it stops us? I'm a little bit scared to do this. I'm going to be honest. I agreed to share a few things that I'm currently freaking out about right now. So we'll see how that goes. Well, you know what we're about here at Beyond the Dollar is having open and honest conversations about how money and beyond affects our well-being. So... This is pretty par for the course. I feel like we're into season three now. This should be pretty old hat for you, but I will acknowledge this being some things that you are currently going through here. And I know I will be appreciative and the listeners will be appreciative of you sharing those experiences. So thanks. You are welcome. And if you have been here since the very beginning, welcome back. And if you heard the very first episode of season one, I did bare my soul for about, I think, 35 minutes. (laughs) It was a pretty good amount of time, but it was a great informative episode. (laughs) There you go. All right, Garrett, lay it on me. What's the first question? So I think the first question is, why do so many people feel so much stress, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame around money? I think for many people, it's like a core survival instinct. It's almost like, you know, when even just the thought 
or feeling that we may not have enough and whatever that is, it just triggers like all these insecurities and like fears. I mean, I'm just thinking of when I get really triggered about stuff like that, I'm just thinking like physically how my body feels. And it's almost like this fight or flight mode that I get into. And then I get into these like weird thoughts (laughs) and then it anyways, and then it just yeah, it goes to crap. <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean, I want you to follow that, right? Because I have similar but different responses. But it's so interesting that it becomes literally a physical response about something that maybe hasn't even happened, right? Where we're worried that we might not make enough money or we're worried that something bad might happen. And yet it hasn't happened. It likely won't happen. And yet we still get this physical and visceral response. And that's why I think what you said, money being this core survival instinct or issue, it is even when the fears are not, well, I guess the fears are real, but when they haven't even happened, right? Isn't that crazy? You know, I've given a lot of thought about this. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying I'm obsessed about the topic, but I think about it a lot. It's almost like it's a way for our bodies and our minds to almost protect ourselves. Like I think before I used to think like, oh, it's just my ego acting up, right? But it's almost like, I'm protecting myself in case of the inevitable. So let's say me quitting my job. I'm protecting myself in case I'm not making any income. Or right now, a fear of mine is homeownership, right? I'm excited about it, but I'm also very nervous because I've read horror stories in the news. I've had friends who've purchased homes that were very shady. And so it's almost like protecting myself in case I'm going to go broke from buying a house. (laughs) And I think an important part is identifying like what fears are rational and what fears are more irrational. So in that instance, can you separate or can you kind of look with some distance on which ones you feel like may fall into one camp versus the other? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Since I'm going through right now, I, I this is something that I haven't completely figured out. But with the house buying thing, I think a lot of what has been triggering me is like watching the news and hearing horror stories. And so that's all, not I don't say all I've been hearing, but like most of it. Right. And so then I think about it. I'm like, oh, well, if this could happen, this might happen to me. Or if this happened to this person and this realtor was terrible, like what if I got a realtor that was really bad and trying to scam me? So I think one thing that I'm actively trying to do is just to remove myself from some of these, I don't say negative sources, but just watch less of the news or read less horror stories. Like if I see a headline that sounds very clickbaity, I just decide not to click on it. So it's not that clickbaity, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or it works. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, just to follow that thread a little bit more, kind of when these fears are coming up, there are three questions I think that are helpful to think about. The first is, what do I most fear will happen? Kind of that doomsday scenario. And then saying, okay, well, what is likely to happen? And then what do I actually hope will happen? So it can kind of slow down the process and get you to say, okay, here's the doomsday I'm thinking of, but actually what is likely to happen? And then, you know, what I hope will happen so I can actually be proactive and feel empowered to do something about it. And just so people don't think that I stole that, that was from Deborah Price's training that I took, (laughs) the certified money coach training. And that's something that's really helpful. And those are questions we ask with clients to get them out of this space of fear and of thinking of the worst. I love that. I think, gosh, I had a really great business coach a while back and she really forced me to focus on like, what's the best case scenario in everything that you do? So it was like, what's the best case scenario when you quit your job? What's the best case scenario 
when you move to a different state. And so I started writing that stuff down and whether or not they came true, I started getting really excited about the decision that I made. Right. So again, I was really scared about quitting my job. And so I wrote like, what is the best case? The best case scenario be I have flexibility in my schedule. I earn a gazillion dollars if there's such a number as gazillion. Um, I think it's know, like I'd 32 get... zeros. Is, there you is go. 32 zeros. All right. <laughs> Another thing was like being able to give back more to my community, having better relationships with my family and friends, and like all of those really exciting best case scenarios. And yeah, it just got me really then jazzed about my decision. And then it also got me thinking like, okay, what can I do then to have all of those best case scenarios in my life? And so even just thinking of that has helped me make different choices than if I were like really freaked out about that decision. Yeah, that's a great way to start feeling less fearful. One of the things just to wrap up a little bit on the previous question we'd asked was you said consuming less negative media just saying that that is really important to do. So figure out if there are spaces where you live, you know, like social media, if you're on Instagram and all these pretty pictures of people's lives are always coming at you and you're like, oh my God, I can never be like that. Notice it and notice how that is impacting you because that, right, like you just shared, being around that media and consuming that can have you either feel like you're not enough in the Instagram scenario or just always only seeing the doomsday. So that's one way to take some of the negativity out. And I loved the opposite side you shared of like thinking kind of what will the best case scenario be? So are there some other things around like how to feel less fearful more from like positive habits that you could share? Okay. So something, oh gosh, I wish I remember where I listened because I binge a lot of podcasts. I wish I remember which podcasts I listened to. And if I do remember, I'll stick them in the, the show notes. So everyone can go there at beyondthedollar.co is that number one, I do a body scan. And number two, if I'm like feeling super anxious in my body, I do something to dissipate it like physically. So it could be doing yoga. It could be getting up and going for a walk. It could be playing something on Spotify and just dancing in the middle of like <laughs> living room, something just very quick to get my mind not thinking about what it was I was scared of or what I was obsessing over. And so once my body's more relaxed, then I can, I feel more mental clarity around the actual challenger issue at hand does that make sense yeah so the idea isn't to solve the problem or solve the fear by doing the physical activity it's to just dissipate it enough so that you can look at it a little bit more objectively yeah that's really what we talked about a couple episodes ago around the money archetypes and kind of how to identify and give yourself space to hear it can either be to hear like what archetype is talking when you're in a conversation around money, or in this instance, to be able to just sense the physical sensations that are coming up. Again, if money is a core survival instinct, even though it's not life and death likely in the short term, we'll have that same reaction as if a saber-toothed tiger was just tearing, you know, coming down <laughs> on us in the old days. And so it's it's so interesting that we then you know we now have these physical responses for things that aren't life and death but if you can give yourself that space to be able to identify it you're still laughing at the saber tooth tiger reference is that it, it was a, it was it's a pretty good reference maybe I'm not the greatest i'm only laughing cuz i'm i'm actually imagining you with like 
a caveman loincloth. I don't know. What if the heck did they call those things? Anyways, that and like a club like made of wood and running away from a saber toothed tiger. I just imagine you like a Flintstones character for some reason. Like that's what I'm laughing at. So this is going to be a total side tangent. But what's hilarious is my mom a week ago asked for great costume ideas for her and my dad. And we came up with the Flintstones. So it would go well with the family lineage if maybe I was Bam Bam. You know, I'm pretty scrawny. I'm like a buck 47 at 5'11". So I might be able to outrun the saber-toothed tiger for a little while, but not too long. Or you could be the saber-toothed tiger. Like, that's a thought. Here we go. Beyond the dollar. Really giving you everything you ever wanted beyond the dollar. Like Halloween dress ideas, (laughs) images of me in a loincloth escaping a saber-toothed tiger. You're here. You're going to get it all. And if you're a illustrator, cartoonist, feel free to draw that picture. We will totally spread it everywhere and anywhere. Oh my gosh. If someone sends that in, that is going not only on the Beyond the Dollar Instagram, on Twitter, on the webpage, it's going on my own socials. Please someone do that. I'm terrible. It would be a (laughs) stick figure drawing, but if someone's actually good at art, please make that happen. Yes. Thank you in advance. (laughs) So continue the same vein of talking about you, Garrett. What about you? What about what fears have you faced or are currently facing in terms of money? And what are you doing to work through that? I think what's really interesting is for me, there is my business is continuing to grow. And so I kind of set these expectations of, okay, well, now I need this new amount of money. And because I'm investing more in myself, I'm investing more in my business. And so I have this fear that if I don't keep making more and more money, that I'm not going to be able to keep up with everything that I want to do. And yet I've only said yes to these things because I am earning more money and they are important to me. But, you know, if push came to shove, if for some reason all of my clients evaporated, you know, it's like I could choose to just say, all right, well, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do coaching or business coaching. I'm not going to do therapy. I'm not going to do X. I'm not going to do Y. And life would still go on. And so it's just funny how now that I've said yes to some things, I almost feel like I can't say no to them. Now, like they're now going to be happening forever. And so now this is the new level of normal. It's like, no, every single moment I can choose whether I want to keep doing something or not. But I just have been feeling that I don't have that power or that it has to, I always have to be doing more, earning more. So that's been the space that I've been in lately and just trying to grapple with that. That is so interesting. Why do you think, like, what do you think is really coming up for you when you have these feelings? Like, why do you feel like you have to do more, be more, or you can't go back on certain expenses you paid for? I think there is this underlying sense of never enoughness, like no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough that I ultimately won't be quote unquote successful unless I'm working really hard and doing all the things. I think that's part of it from a business perspective, like feeling that making money has to be hard and I have to do all of the things. I think there's certainly a psychological aspect outside of that that is, you know, why do I always have to be busy? What is it that being busy, what does it do for me? So what would happen if I gave myself space to sit and think more and be more present? What would I have to confront if I went into that space? 
So I'm obviously getting something out of it. Like we don't really do things unless we get something out of it. And it may seem counterintuitive, like, oh, I'm really busy and I'm making myself busy. I'm not getting anything out of it. It's like, I am just kind of in the discovery of what that is. And yeah, that is, hello, therapy. That's why that's helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up because I think there's been such a great discussion amongst people in the personal finance community and just friends of mine who are being so much more open about going to therapy or even seeking guidance from spiritual leaders on talking through their feelings and just getting it out of their heads. I think that is so awesome, really, because I think a lot of it is that we just have these thoughts where it's just bringing our heads, right? And then it grows to this monster. Again, I'm for some reason visualizing the saber-toothed tiger anyway. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Garrett. And so it, it's one of those things where it's that whole idea of like, we're not our thoughts. And so maybe getting that out is going to help us to confirm that idea of we're not our thoughts, because I think the fears really come from like not saying it out loud sometimes, or even writing it down or telling somebody. Like, I mean, I remember telling somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not going to get clients like ever. And I'm going to have to go back to nine to five or you know, there's a few other things like, oh, worst case scenario, I buy a really bad house and I have to sink like hundreds and thousands of dollars into it. And then when I say that, I'm like, okay, no, I have skills to not ever have those things happen if I can help it. Right. And so once I say that, I'm like, okay, no, I can do this, this, this to try to prevent those worst case scenarios from happening. Yeah. It's so interesting because I never really picked up on the fact that there's been a big stigma around therapy. And so you're right, like having conversations with other people in the personal finance world, at least, and them being more open. It's like, yeah, emotional health is just general health. But I've been confronted with like, that is definitely not what most people think. So that's been really interesting. But yeah, when you think about it, it's like, if we don't understand our own thoughts and what they mean and how these preconceived notions of what we have is real or not like that. The notion I have that you have to work hard to make money. That's just not true. I mean, I met a guy in Austin who works four hours a month on his Amazon site and makes over six figures. And it's like, what that just doesn't compete with my (laughs) reality. And so it's like, what I am believing is just, it's not true, but yet I have this held as true. And since we're talking about how do fears stop us, like if we don't understand our own mind and what our thoughts are coming up with and what this voice in our head, you know, how it just will say all of the things to make us doubt ourselves all the time. If we don't get a better understanding of the mind and learn how to get that distance. And like you said, be able to listen to the voice from this unattached place of realizing that you're separate from the voice, then I think overcoming fear is going to be really, really hard because you won't be able to have that distance and that kind of objectivity of knowing that, hey, these are just thoughts, but they aren't really me. So a few things just came to mind. One, I wonder if fear also comes from this idea that maybe we don't trust ourselves enough when we do make a choice or when we make a decision and act on it. I mean, if I'm thinking about you know, when I first started freelance writing and how long it even took me to get the courage to do this full time, it was more, I think it was more like, do I trust myself to not have a steady paycheck? Do I trust myself to hustle for contracts and negotiate for higher pay and all of the things, right, to make this a quote unquote success? 
And thinking back on those times a couple years ago, like the answer was very resounding. No, like I don't trust myself. I don't, I didn't feel like I had the skills. I didn't feel like I had the industry knowledge. I didn't feel like I had the confidence to convey my skills and what they were worth monetarily to somebody else. And so I think now that I trust myself a lot more, I mean, I don't trust myself 100%, but I trust myself a lot more. And I think as a result of that, I feel like that's really been a major reason why my income grew this year without working any extra hours. Yeah. It's interesting how like for you, it was self-confidence, self-worth, wondering about, you know, your talents and abilities. And for me, it's okay. Well, I just feel like you have to work hard in order to make money. And when we're talking about things that stop us and fear being one of them, I often hear people, and I've had a client recently who they feel like they don't necessarily have a great sense of what their purpose is. And they say, oh, because I'm not totally sure what I should be doing, or I don't have this crystal clear vision that happened, you know, like when Mufasa came across the sky in the Lion King, right? Then like, I don't really know what I should do. I can't take action. No, no. Is that not? I was like, what is with that animal theme that we're going here? People like saber tooth tiger, Lion King, like, hello, what's going on today? It's just in the air today. (laughs) But, you know, I don't want to call it an excuse, but that reason of feeling like there isn't a sense of purpose, people oftentimes then use that as a reason to why they don't take action. Is that something that you've seen? Have you experienced that in your own life? I'm interested. Yeah, I kind of want to grill you a little bit on the idea of purpose. Like, what do you mean by that? And is there only one purpose? In my opinion, no, there's not one purpose. I think that purpose is almost a bad word to a certain degree with millennials, because I think that there's been so much pressure, so much written about how to find your purpose, the need to have your purpose. It has to have, everything has to be aligned with your purpose. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that. And it has made people feel those who don't necessarily have a clear sense of what they want to be doing and why, like they are behind, like they don't have figured out, they're screwed. Like, oh my God, how am I going to do anything if I don't know what my purpose in life is going to be? And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty clear on what my purpose for now feels like that for me, like I really like seeing people be fully self-expressed. And right now I'm using money as a way to communicate with people and say, hey, oftentimes money keeps people stuck and from being fully self-expressed to doing what they love. So right now, money's the lens that I'm doing that. But hell, that may change. But I think there's, yes, it's important to know your purpose, but also like if you don't, it's totally okay. And getting away from that feeling that like you can't do anything or you're wrong or it's, it's bad or you're a failure if you don't ha- know what that purpose is. I'm wondering if instead of purpose, maybe values might be a better word. Like it's specific enough, but it's not too specific where it completely drives your actions and behaviors. Like, and I'm thinking like, let's say creativity is a big value of mine. So it doesn't have to be painting or drawing. It can be what we're doing now. Like I love coming up with topics for Beyond the Doll. I love talking with guests and figuring out their stories. I love getting creative with Asana, which is her project management tool. That sounds so geeky, but I love color coding and figuring out how to make it more organized so that Garrett and I are on the same page when it comes to actually producing this podcast. And God so bless you for that, the by idea, the way. 
You're absolutely welcome, Garrett. <laughs> um, it, it's just one of those where like, okay, great. I have a very specific value in mind, but how I, the again, the actions and the behaviors that I do aren't totally specific, right? Because for somebody else, like I know my friend Jackie Lamb, who was on the podcast last season, her idea of creativity is creating videos, making zines, like hanging out with her like artist friends, like those, that's how she expresses her creativity. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not how I would do it. So maybe it's just really understanding like what makes you tick in terms of like your values. Like what do you I think? really like that. What I noticed in that is that when you say purpose, it oftentimes feels like it needs to be a singular thing. Right. I need to know my singular one and only purpose. And what I like about values is that it gives it more than one thing that you can hang your hat on and go after. It's multiple. It's, oh, I value freedom. I value self-expression. I value independence. I value X, Y, and Z. And so there are then different avenues that you can go because there are different things that can exist at the same time and you can go toward rather than it seeming like it has to be this one thing. Yeah. And shameless plug, because I really believe in this exercise and I think Garrett does too, is that we do have a, it's a values-based spending worksheet, but I think it can be used in this instance as well, where you can figure out what your values are and how to help drive a lot of your decisions. So it can be either your nine to five, it can be an entrepreneurial endeavor. It could be whether or not you want to spend money on that latte. So head over to www.beyondthedollar.co. You should be able to scroll down a little bit on the homepage and you can enter your email address for that. Sometimes Garrett might insert some gifts in emails every once in a while if you're totally into that. So definitely sign up. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And with this conversation about fear, you know, I actually do think that this conversation of purpose ties into it well, because If you don't have your quote unquote purpose, then you can have this fear like, oh my God, I'm not where I should be. I'm not where I need to be. And then that will stop you from taking action, even to just figuring it out. And so I think that that's kind of how fear ties into it that, oh my gosh, I'm not where I can be or should be or need to be. And that will then lead to an action where in my experience, just taking action and saying, all right, I don't know if this is the right direction, but I'm just going to try it anyway, gives me at least some data to deal with and say, oh, did I like that or did I not? Do I want to go that direction or did I not? And that's actually something my therapist has been super helpful with where he just says, yeah, do you want to try this? Then try it. And if no matter what happens, you'll just get feedback and you can take that feedback and decide what you want to do with it. But yeah, just taking action, I think is also one of the most important things to overcoming fear and that that's a much better feeling of doing something and having it maybe not get the result that you want, but just having taken that action and done it is incredibly satisfying and can help you flex that muscle to get you over fear. Well, on that same vein, Garrett, what was a fear that you recently had and what was an action that you took towards that or trying to get rid of that fear? Wow. Here he's on the spot. <laughs> I Hello. just, hey, Why not? I'm just going to throw you under the bus. (laughs) Wow. A fear I recently had was around raising my rates. And there was a fear around that of what would people think of me? What if I raise my rates? You know, if someone says, oh my gosh, that's so high that it's a reflection on me, that it has something to do with me. And I just realized that people will have their response 
And again, it's something that I can do. And then ultimately, if it doesn't work, like my therapist said, you could just choose to do it and then you can change it if it doesn't work. And so actually the first person who I posed it to said, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And so it was really interesting. And then I did get a response from someone who said, whoa, that was a lot more than I thought it was. However, then we, it's fun. I'm a money coach. Like, let's have a conversation about that, right? You know, especially when it comes to a financial context, it's like, oh, it's interesting that the things that often we feel we need the most support around or want to do the work on is what stops us, right? So her issue around making the investment in that and it feeling like it was a large number, even though, you know, her and her husband combined make over six figures and could quote unquote afford it. You know, it allowed us to get into the conversation of, oh, so why does it feel like that is so much and what's coming up for you? And it actually was really great that I did that because it allowed me to then get to a place for myself and then just be able to engage in this conversation with this woman in a way that was surprising and fun and, and really fruitful. That's freaking awesome. I have two to share. One was letting go of high-fiving dollars. That was an incredibly scary decision. And I think in a previous episode, I talked about this was almost a year in the making. It was a decision that I've been sitting on for a long time. And it was one of those, okay, there's, I guess, a few aspects. So one was like, my ego was getting in the way. I'm like, no, this is like my platform. This is my thing. Like, why am I giving it up to focus more on the podcast? Like I'm giving up control. Like that was something that kept coming up. And I'm like, this is so stupid. What are you talking about? Right? Like I was arguing with myself in my brain. Like, yes, I was doing that. Okay. But it was, it was that, that was a fear was like, I'm letting some control go. Like that was not the case at all. Right? Like it's not true. But I was telling this to myself, like my ego was telling this to myself. The second part of it was I was ready to let it go, but I wanted something to replace it. And I didn't know what that looked like yet. So that there, the fear was like, what can I replace this with? And so it was a lot of like thinking about why do I want to replace the blog? Like, what does that mean? And what can it look like? And it ultimately boiled down to, I can't do what I want to do by myself. I want to spread the message of you're enough, right? Through the lens of money. I want to create this platform to help as many people as I can, especially the underserved communities and people who may not even believe that they can have financial independence, all of that fun stuff possible, right? Like I'm only one person. And so I need to figure out what I can replace that with to continue to build this platform so that I can do all of these things to help as many people as possible. And so when this podcast came along, I was like, oh, this will be fun. Let's see how this goes. It just felt really good to start it. Even though Garrett, I, I think, I think about 30 minutes into you meeting me in person, you're like, do you want to start a podcast? Which I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. But I said, yes. And I remember one day, I think I was meditating and it popped into my head was like, the podcast can replace the blog. And I was like, nah, like this is like a totally new thing. Like what the heck are, like, were you talking about Sarah? Again, talking to myself. But as I thought more and more into, I was like, no, this is true. Like I can lean on Garrett. Garrett can lean on me. We can both use our expertise and skills to build something bigger than ourselves. Like Beyond the Dollar can be a brand that's just beyond who I am as a money coach, as a writer, as a podcaster. And so as I kept thinking more and more about it, I'm like, okay, this feels right. I can let this go. And if this was a completely wrong decision, like Beyond the Dollar somehow implodes on itself, at least I can say, 
I can let go of this my own platform that isn't necessarily serving me right now because it was hindering me for the longest time. And I can at least move forward and say, I know what it takes to build something. I know what it takes to partner up with somebody. I can do whatever it is I need to do no matter what happens. So that's, that's how I let the blog go. The second thing was asking Kathleen Shannon to be on the podcast, which like, I was like, oh my gosh. I remember texting Gary, like, should I do it? Should I do it? And one thing that really helped is I remember reading, oh no, this was a fizzle.co podcast episode. I'll link that in the show notes. And it was, I think it was the marketing manager. I don't, I apologize, I forgot her name, but she was like, give yourself five seconds of courage. Like, will it take you five seconds to send this email? Yes. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give myself five seconds of courage. Let me send that email. And hey, guess what? She said yes, and she's been on the podcast, which was amazing. I love that five seconds of courage. Like what is possible with five seconds of courage? It's like, yeah, getting an idol on whose podcast has been downloaded almost 6 million times. Like that's what is possible when you find courage, are able to get out of your own way. And like what this whole episode is about is see that fear, I think for what it really is, or maybe you didn't in that moment, but you just found a way to give yourself a little shot of like, oh, you know, why not? Right. I'm not going to let the fear stop me. And through some different, I don't want to say it resources, but like certainly the work that you've done, right. The advice of some people, um, the marketing manager, whose name I also forget, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, yeah, you're awesome. By the way, if you're listening, (laughs) we're fans. So keep up the good work. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I, I love that. So something else. And I think Garrett, I would love you to chime in is, you know, I know you're talking about what's the worst that will happen or what's the best that will happen. But what about like, will you regret not making this decision or will you regret at least not giving this a go? Oh, yeah. Has that manifested in your life ever when it comes to money? (laughs) All the friggin' time, you know, and I think just like investing even to start the business, even before Be Awesome Not Broke, it was like taking the leap from Sony to start a music production company with three friends and being like, we don't know exactly how we're going to make money. We just feel like this is a good opportunity. And you know what? If I don't do this, I'm going to be at a job that I don't like, that I'm not that good at, that's making me feel like I don't have any real talents, right? So why not? And I think the question, the first of those three questions, like what do I most fear will happen? It's almost kind of like, you know, what is the worst that could happen? And really when I framed it that way, it was like, well, nothing too bad, honestly, like worst, worst case scenario. I go back and live with my parents in the city that Oprah said three years ago was the happiest city in the US, right? And my ego would take a bit of a hit and my life wouldn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but I would have given it a try. And also at the end of the day, like, do I think I couldn't have gotten a job doing something else in New York City? Like, that's kind of ridiculous. There are so many people in so many jobs Do I really think I couldn't have found something that would have allowed me to survive or that I don't have enough charm to be able to get someone to like loan me a little bit of money to cover rent if I wasn't making it? It's just so funny how we really let our fears go to that worst case scenario, not think of just all of the skills, talents, abilities that we have, our networks, people who love and care for us, if we are fortunate enough to be in that position. So yeah, I mean, there's so many instances, but that's kind of the first one that came to mind. And, you know, from doing that, from saying, look, I'm not going to regret this, that led me to start beyond the dollar or start be awesome, not broke a lot quicker. And actually to say, yeah, screw it. Like 
I learned from that experience that now I really want to do this. And I started really just like quit the music business, started Be Awesome Not Broken, dove right in. And there are some definite challenges with doing that. But now three years in, I'm like, holy hell, this is a business and I have a podcast <laughs> and I run like a Facebook group with over 1200 people who like want to be doing this. And I like to like work from my computer and I've taken a seven week, 10 state road trip and worked at the same time. Like that's all because I was like, fuck it, let's do it, you know? And so- yeah, I, I'm now learning more and more. The more I flex that muscle, it's just like, all right, let's give it a shot. And again, I can choose to stick with it or I can choose to not if it doesn't work, but it's not going to be the end of the world. There is no real saber-toothed tiger, um, although I do own loincloths. There is no saber-toothed tiger. And say, unless you see Garrett trick-or-treating then, um, you know, on the street. Then possibly, <laughs> but yeah, it's getting to better understand what, you know, like we were talking about in the very beginning, like, okay, so this is money. It really is a survival instinct, but getting that separation from it and being able to see it for what it really is. And I'd love to hear from you, right? What's your experience been with that? Oh, well, I regret not giving this a go. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So many things. Okay. So this is a, oh gosh, I don't think I've ever said this before. So I'm a little bit nervous saying this out loud. Hello, let's uh, lead by example. So one of the biggest realizations that I've had in my entrepreneurial journey and a bunch of other financial decisions was like whether or not I would feel like an equal in my relationship. And so, you know, last year in 2017, it was a bit of a struggle with my writing business, a couple of things happened, you know, I was isolated, new mother, all of the things, right? And so I felt like if I didn't earn a certain amount of money, that I wasn't equal in the relationship. And I never wanted to feel that I wasn't contributing enough. And so I really had to work around that. Like, what does that even mean to not be equal just because I'm not earning a certain amount of money? Like, it sounds absolutely ridiculous saying it out now, but it was a real fear of mine. And so it it just became like, let's have a conversation with my husband. Like, this is what's coming up. And he's a very direct man and I appreciate him. And he'll just be like, you're just being ridiculous. You know, like things like that. He'll just say, I don't know what you're talking about. You're being ridiculous. And it really, yeah, it had to do with like, let's, I'm just, I need to express what I'm feeling. I need to verbalize it. You know, something I grew up with was never expressing your feelings. Like, don't burden other people. So that was something I really had to get over as well was don't burden others with, or it's okay to air quote burden others with your feelings. And so that, yeah. So sometimes it still crops up every once in a while, that feeling of like, am I equal in my relationship? Even though it's, you know, I am, I totally am. Thank you for sharing. I know. And I'm like, I'm actually like shaky because I'm like, oh man, I just, I cannot believe I said that out loud, but that's okay. Uh, if for, for other females or males, where you feel like this, hit me up. Hello at beyondthedollar.co. I am more than happy to have this conversation with you. And if it makes sense to continue this on another episode, I will totally do it. And what I got from that is when you face fear or take the time to listen to what is actually behind it, it like opens up a door for you to step into and kind of get a new level of understanding about yourself, about another person, But it just by recognizing that fear, by being with it, kind of saying hi to it and then doing something about it, right? It then allows more discoveries 
to be possible. So I just honestly, again, like, thank you for doing that. And I think that can serve as a really great example for people of like what it makes possible when you listen to the fear and don't just push it away and then see where it goes. So, yeah, I would like to end the episode on two questions. Number one, let's just give our fears a name so that we can begin to separate ourselves from our fear. So Garrett, what would you name your fear? And what would it look like? Like in, in a, I don't want to say cartoon, but what would it physically look like? Well, I've always, <laughs> I'm going to offend anyone named Chad, but I've always <laughs> given things I don't like about myself uh, and called them Chad, just because I feel like it's the most obnoxious bro name ever. So sorry, Chad. I'm sure there are some wonderful Chads out there. Yeah. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm not sure if it's perfect in that just to like let Chad go ride one of those boozy bicycles, you know, with like the big keg in the middle where all the people get on and are kind of obnoxiously loud, just kind of letting Chad go get on a bike and a ride off into the sunset. You know, maybe that's the image that I'll stick with right now of just kind of having him be the visual representation of that. <laughs> I love it. How about um, for you? <laughs> okay, this is going to sound like a really weird response. So there's a dish called stinky tofu. There's apparently a few different versions in China and Hong Kong. And basically what it is, it's like fermented tofu. So like think about letting a piece of tofu rot or get moldy. So it's like, oh my gosh, it smells. Okay, it smells bad. And anyways, it smells really bad. Like you, you cannot go within a few feet of smelling this tofu. Okay, so I visualize fear as like this piece of tofu that looks kind of gross and it's really stinky and it's, you know, it spreads far and wide. But then when you go and actually eat it, it's not that bad. So I don't really have a name for the stinky tofu, but that's my visual. So I am more than happy to link to what stinky tofu looks like. Maybe I'll find a YouTube video out there. If anybody wants to check this out beyond the dollar.co, go ahead. I couldn't have thought of a more perfect example. So Sarah, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, final question. How are you using money right now to live beyond the dollar? So right now using money to actually help volunteer at my son's preschool. So I have a pretty flexible schedule. So as of recording, Halloween isn't upon us yet, but there is, I think the preschool has a big pumpkin patch. They have like hay rides, corn mazes, things like that. So I'm volunteering for a few hours in the morning to basically give that, those kids a fun experience. We're also doing a trunk or treat. So my husband and I are actually going to buy supplies to decorate our car. Don't know really what that's going to look like, but I would be more than happy to pop a picture on Instagram or on the show notes. And then we're going to buy a bunch of candy because Halloween candy is not cheap, everybody, if you're in the U.S. So, I mean, and I have the money to do that. So it's just a really fun way to like give my son a funny Halloween experience and all the other little three, four, five-year-olds that same experience. Nice. That's awesome. And what about you, Garrett? For me... It is allowing me to set up a trip up in Northern California where the guys from the music production company that I talked about earlier are going to get together. It's been a while since we've all hung out and just have a space, like all get together, hang out, spend some quality time catching up. And one of us is going through a pretty challenging time. So it'll allows me to take the time again with my freedom of schedule to do the outreach to everyone to try to coordinate, to figure out how we're going to make it work, to make sure that we can get him out here and just have the space to be together, be present and supportive. So that's really, really nice to be able to have that as a possibility. Awesome. I love that. Well, Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Dollar. We hope you come back 
Anything else, Garrett, before we officially sign off? No, that's it. This was really fun. I really, I hope everyone, well, who cares if everyone else enjoyed it? I had a great time. <laughs> so thanks, Sarah, for being a great podcast co-host, as always, for being open and vulnerable. I really appreciate it. And we look forward to being on next episode. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Dollar. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Also, if you feel like putting your money towards the things that really matter as a challenge for you, then download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters most to you in life, be able to name your most important values, and start thinking about how to only put your money toward those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to www.beyondthedollar.co. Thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar.